This episode of Remnant Radio is brought to you in part by our sponsors at Kairos Classrooms. Have you ever thought about learning a biblical language as a supplemental tool in your biblical studies? Well, Kairos Classrooms offers real classroom environments with with classmates and a live instructor who can help teach you biblical languages, both Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. Uh, The price for a single semester is crazy affordable for anyone, so check out the links in the description and use promo code REMNANT to get 10% off Kairos Classrooms. Check out Kairos Classrooms today. Discount code R-E-M-N-A-N-T, REMNANT, to get 10% off your semester. Buddy, this is Joshua Lewis and Jeff Gray with the Remnant Radio. Um, we've got a new producer, and I know what, I like him. I know what many of you are thinking, but but what I want to tell you from my heart to all of you, it's no Juan's fault. So it was cheesy. I tried. Hey, I like Juan. You know why? Why he did? He I have a pet peeve, Juan, and and you. Oh, you did it. When he counts down, no, no, you didn't do it. You count down. He said five, four, three. And the silent two. The one. silent. He did a Wayne's World style. Good that's, job, bro. That's what it's about, right there. <laughs> you got to emulate the Wayne's World. So no, do not emulate we, Wayne's. World. I don't know anything about Wayne's World. Is that not a it's good? It's not a good show. To well, emulate. thanks for quoting that on the it's, theology broadcast yeah. show. Okay, so. Um, pop culture references go over my head, and I always use sports metaphors incorrectly. Yeah, us, us really holy people would not know about party on Wayne, party on Garth. Mike, Mike, <laughs> Mike knows know what I'm talking that? about. Mike how knows you what I'm know about, about that. So, okay, so we are talking about uh, that was church for salvation, by the way. <laughs> church membership and we're talking about church leadership uh uh we had a quick problem with our our router we rebooted it hopefully it will not happen again if it does happen again we'll just have to reschedule uh mike to come on at a later date but we will try to finish out this program i refuse strong there is a storm in our area so it's very possible that that knocked out something really I know just enough about routers to make them magical. I really don't know. <laughs> like, it's it's witchcraft that makes those things work. I'm no. confident. Um, so we're talking today about um, this this church leadership, church structure thing. We're talking about uh, people who are church members. Uh, we left off uh, talking about uh, church m- members leaving one church and going to another and how that's really unbiblical without the, the consent of of the local leadership and ma- ma- I no, we didn't even say local leadership. What we had said was the local agreement of the, the church body as a whole. And this was the case that you were making. I'll let you yeah. have the floor, sir. Well, so, so I think, you know, something I'll add that I didn't say before. I mean, I think there's, there's three or four ways that a, a Christian can leave a church. Mm-hmm. I think one way they can leave a church is to die. And then they will go be the bride of Christ. So they be the church, but leaving the church, they would die. Another way that they might leave the local church is they might be sent. They yes. might be sent as missionaries. They might be sent as uh, church plants. Uh, another way they can leave the local church is by agreement. Agreement between the church and the individual. Now, that one's not quite as biblical, but because there's really not a lot of room for doing that. But there could be reasons where... We just can't get along about paleo baptism, let's say, and and so by agreement, we, we so like peripheral doctrinal issues, the thing yeah, not central, yeah, but it's hard. It, that's that one's that's pretty broad, but I'm going to let it be in there. And then the fourth way is by excommunication, the right foot of fellowship. Yeah, <laughs> there's four ways to leave a church. 
death being sent by agreement or excommunication. Now I want to challenge all your listeners and yourselves. Have you left churches for other reasons than that? And what scripture led you to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, 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 it's something to consider because the, the importance of the local assembly has been lost on this age. Can I, can I make an assumption here? I think the assumption that I'd like to make is, is you're, well, I'm assuming that you're assuming. I'm assuming that you are assuming that there is a collective body of elders, because I believe that's the biblical model. So there's a presupposition that biblical elders, there's a council of elders and not one individual, because it's very often in our evangelical communities that there's one a Pope-esque infallible figure who is in charge. And when you're attempting to leave a local context and there's one person saying no, and and maybe you need to get a job somewhere else. You have a job opportunity across the country and and your your family has been impoverished because you've been working at Burger King and you have this opportunity to make $100,000 a year and you want to move, but the the Pope figure is saying, no, you can't leave. Are, are, we, are we gathering under the assumption that there's a collective plurality of elders? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to get there probably. I think that's part of what we're talking about, elders in the local church. Uh, I'll just suffice to yeah. say, because we, we, we'll digress, and that'll be the rest of the discussion. The biblical models is for a plurality of males to lead a local assembly. Now, they are not the ultimate authority. Jesus Christ is the authority. Jesus Christ it is his church. But he has clearly given a structure that is for a plurality of elders in a local assembly that that are are governing the people that doesn't put them in any higher standing before God they have a different calling they are not the, now they are the ones who actually carry out the excommunication on behalf of the church but they don't make arbitrary decisions right on who will and who won't there are processes that the scriptures give us we will go through those processes, and one of those would have the elder being the one put on the on the platform to be rebuked in front of the whole congregation and removed if necessary. So elders are under every bit of the same bit of authority as a congregant, if you will. So yes, I am presupposing a group, a plurality of men, leading a local assembly because that's biblical. Now your phones might blow up and everything... We can have a talk about that, sure. but I think we're on membership and 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 leadership. Um, so, back to your example of moving cross country because you don't have a job. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be naive, and I don't want to sound foolish, but I want to tell you that um, Scripture would not teach you need to move across country to get a job. Scripture would teach if you're willing to work that you will be cared for by your local assembly. So. There's a presupposition even in your example. I understand sure. you just want to make a point. No, yeah, no, it's, it's it's just a valid. It's it's fine. Yeah, and I and look, I'm I'm going to come off, and you're going to get responses, and I'm the crazy guy. I'm just telling you that <laughs> we we've had worse. God says local assemblies. That's part of what we do. We okay. care for one another's physical needs. Amen. So that, that a brother or sister is not going to be unable to feed their family. Now they need to be willing to work, and and but that's part of the shepherding process. So you know? so help me help me with it. Do you have do you have proof texts that kind of talk about? Because 
I think there's a lot of people who are listening to this, and again, talk about phones blowing up, that they go, okay, well, this just sounds kind of manipulative. This just kind of sounds like, um, I know people in particular who have been a part of very abusive churches um, that that I would quantify, I would classify as cultish, just not healthy, dysfunctional, started really good, but because they didn't have church leadership, because they didn't have oversight, got real weird real quick. And then they decided to leave and they were black sheeped as Jezebels and they were black sheeped as, you know, this, this Judas who came and stabbed us in the back because of this or that. Uh, it, it just, I think people are hearing that because of all the dysfunction, they hear what you're saying and they go, man, Mike's probably a pastor of a really dysfunctional church. He's probably real manipulative. So you're, you're making the case that, that in a perfect world, you're making the case in, in biblical church leadership with 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 oh, with biblical congregants, this is the way things ought to function. I just want to make sure that we're being as clear as possible. We're not making blanket statements to justify manipulation. We're not making blanket statements with broad brushing right. uh, to say that that churches have uh, uh, papal infallibility, that the that the leadership is infallible. We're saying that in a healthy environment, that uh, a congregant should be submissive in such a way to their leadership to help them guide and shepherd their souls in in the the decision making of their life is that is that a fair representation of your position yes you said a hundred things in there yeah i know (laughs) it's okay though i understand that these type of discussions in the brief amount of time we're able to have them the way i communicate i realize that it gets hillered through a filter of of authoritarianism manipulation whatever you want to call that Mm -hmm. What I'm going to tell you is that the men that would be that way and treat the are not qualified elders. It is not functioning as the church. Let mm. me read you something from the London Baptist Confession of Faith. Now, I don't yeah. know we've got cut off, but the London Baptist Confession of Faith. There's two confessional statements that we have our confessional statement made from. Okay. The London Baptist Confession of Faith, 1689, and the Westminster. Now, remember, we've talked about these were written by men coming out of the Reformation to establish some boundaries for the church, what we believe. It's not Scripture, so it is not the Word of God. We do not treat it as such, but it gives definitions and boundaries to scriptural truths. So, of the church is paragraph 26. Paragraph 26, uh, chapter 26, I'm sorry, paragraph 3 says this. The purest churches under heaven are subject to mixture and error, and some have so degenerated as become no churches of Christ, but synagogues of Satan. Nevertheless, Christ always has had and ever shall have a kingdom in this world to the end thereof of such as believe in him and make profession of his name. The confessional statement makes room for the reality that there are some institutions called churches that are no churches at all. They are synagogues of Satan. And so we are presupposing in my conversation that the local assembly is functioning in a biblical manner. Got it. Now, I want to caution the listeners and you guys. When a local assembly functions in a biblical manner in the world we live in today, it will be called a cult. Yeah. Because functioning in a biblical manner, according to the scriptures, uh, brothers, turn to Hebrews 13, 17. Okay. And there's a bunch of things inside of this 
but I guess we'll we'll tackle whatever comes our way. Oh, I got to get the correct. Yeah. No. While we're looking that up, I was going to say earlier that the, with the 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 political correctness of our of our day and age and the things that you know, every, everyone's offended, everyone's um, everyone's a victim at every waking moment of their lives. They're always constantly looking looking for perceived abuses and slights. That anything like this, especially when we're getting into spirituality, we want to make spirituality this just this individualistic thing out there that it's just in the ethereal. It's whoever you know, you just you know, pull your little idols together and you make your little god and you form them up. Um, this is going to be very controversial for sure. Yeah, it, yeah. it is. Yeah. So Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Well, let's just read thirteen seven first to put it in context of who's being spoken of. I think you know, but we'll just set it up. Make sure. Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you, the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Okay. So we're talking about local elders. Those are who preach the word of God to you. Mm-hmm. Now go to verse 17. And as I read this, Jeff and Justin, I want you to Josh. tell me. I'm sorry, Jeff and Josh. It's wow. okay. All these J's. It's it's um, it's okay, Matthew. I apologize. Josh, I know you better than Jeff. Okay, but as I read this, I want you to listen, and I want you to tell me the obligations of the elders inside of this passage. Okay. Of the elders. Okay? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as though you have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. What is the job of the elders in this passage? To keep watch over the souls of those. Okay. Because they're going to have to give an account. To whom? God. Okay. Yeah. Now, so is that a pretty strong charge? I would say it's about the strongest charge that church leadership could get. This is something that my personally is one of the most challenging verses in all of the scriptures that in Acts 20, 28, that, that shepherding souls that were purchased with God's blood. Mm. See, what you need to understand is that, that the, the role of an elder, an overseer, you'll see it translated, is, is to an overseer. Now I'm going to use something, an analogy that's true that might bother people, but please don't, don't digress. But what did an overseer at a, on a plantation do? He oh, uh, enslaved Right. What did he make? Sure, what was the overseer's job? To make sure the mission, that the job, that the task was performed. Perfect. To make sure the slaves or the the workers were carrying out the master's commands. That is the role of an elder. To see to it that the sheep or the slaves, as Jesus calls us, yeah, are carrying out the master's commands. So we are to watch over souls. And how we watch over them, we will give an account for. So if I give you bad counsel, I give you unbiblical counsel, I lord over you, I will stand before God in judgment of those things. Now, I'm not saying, now I might not even be a Christian, but even if I'm a, if I'm a Christian, I will still face the Lord's chastisement for that, and my ministry will burn up. Right. That's the first Corinthians four. I was thinking about that when you were talking about. Yeah. So that is the role of an elder in this passage. Now I want to read it again. And I want you to tell me the, 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 the role or the responsibilities of 
a congregant, a member. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Yeah. So what's your what's your role in there? Obey, obey, submit, and don't give them grief. Well, it's not right. You're right. <laughs> obey, submit, and, and don't live in a way that would cause them grief. Yeah. So Josh, if you're if you're cussing your wife out daily, and the elders bring you in to talk to you about that, and they even bring church discipline into your life, is that going to bring them joy or grief? Grief. Right. So y'all not do that because why? Because it would. Because these guys are high and mighty kings, and you don't want to upset them. Is that what the scripture says? I, would, would it would it possibly be better as an illustration to say that? Because um, I would, I, I I think I was leading your question a little bit. It would bring me joy <laughs> to come into a relationship and uh, tell a husband to stop abusing his wife verbally or or physically. Yeah. But but I think I know what you're saying in the sense. I would think of a person who a leader is telling them something to do, and they're bucking in that leadership. I would right. I would think that unsubmissiveness would probably possibly yeah. be a more it's accurate fine. representation it's for fine, But I want you to know something. Let's say that that we have a rule. We don't. We do not. We do not. This is a hypothetical. At Grace Fellowship Church, let's say we have a rule that you have to um, you have to sing hymns with your children five days a week. Mm-hmm. And if you don't sing hymns with your children five days a week, you will be brought under church discipline. Where in the scriptures can I find that type of a law or rule? Right. Not there. Not present. Correct. We don't have that. However, we would tell you, Josh and Jeff, you both have children. If you were at Grace Fellowship Church, you ought to be raising your children the training and admonition of the Lord. Yeah. Right? You ought to be teaching the things of God. That can include hymns, that can include catechisms, praying with them. However you do that, but you should be doing it. So if you're not doing that, not perfectly, not to some standard, if you just say, you know what, I don't think I have to raise my children in that way, then you would not be submissive or obedient, not to the elders, but to the truths of God that they're teaching you. Right. So even the when you're actually the word obey actually means be persuaded by you are to be persuaded by and submit to the leadership of your elders. They're watching out for your souls. And if you don't, I just want to finish this one part. We'll go on then. Sure. Who is that bad for? Who is it bad for when you don't submit to your soul? According. No, no. According to this passage, who is it bad for if you're not submissive and obedient to your elders? The elders. It's, no. I mean, it grieves the elders. Oh, I mean, yes, but, but God, yeah. Put, put your face back in the passage. Who is it bad for? It's unprofitable for me. For you. Yeah, there you go. It says. I see what it's you're saying. No advantage sure. to you. No, that's what it says. It's like literally what the word. No, no, I, I, I understand. <laughs> but but it obviously says that it it disprofits both of them. <laughs> I'm just teasing you. <laughs> no, so it's it's good, right? It's good because now let's look at that passage. Let's talk about membership. Who am I to watch over? If if you are as an elder, who are you to watch over? Um, the, the 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 sheep, the flock, the the ecclesia. Who are they? They are men, women, children, people who attend Grace Fellowship. Is that correct? Um, it is. And, yeah, people who are okay. members of your church. Members. I have two of my children who I look over as my children, mm-hmm. but there's many children that go to our church that are children of regenerate parents. Uh huh. 
Yeah, spouses that are unregenerate spouses or regenerate people that come to our church regularly. I don't have accountability to watch over their souls. They have no obligation to submit and obey leadership. I see. No and, they're, at all. and they're free but to I'll attend. I'm sorry? They're free to attend, but they're not They're not members. We welcome, sure. we welcome them. My point is, how do we differentiate without membership? Yeah. I see what you're saying. And they're and so 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 when you guys uh, get get into the membership process, um, and you guys you guys have this ag- agreement, I would assume that takes place. You have a a some form of catechism, like a members class. Someone attends this members class, and then they say uh, because that's that's what that's what a catechism is. For all those who are watching, and you attend a a modern day evangelical church, we call that membership class but the early church called it a catechism. That's just a big fancy word that freaks out people. Um, well, it freaks you out because it's a Catholic word too and people don't like it. Yeah. yeah. I, I like it. We're all right. You use catechisms. I catechize my children and grandchildren every day. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. So uh, you, you, you have a huge... So we have this dialogue where we're, we're, having, we're building a relationship with our, 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 our congregants, our church members, our church attenders... And we're asking them, this is the covenant relationship that we're coming into. In the same way that I have a covenantal relationship with my wife, I don't get to break that because I feel like it. Neither does the church because they're part of this covenant relationship. So the idea from what I I gather is that you come into an agreement. If you do this and I do this, I will be your church and you will be church people, right? Like <laughs> replacing the words sure, of God here. Is sure. that is that and kind of what you're proposing? Yeah, I don't want to overstate it and I don't want to understate it. I don't want to You just to want to state it. it. I want to state it because there are people <laughs> I think your analogy is perfect and I've used it. Uh-huh. Uh, marriage. But there are people who would say, "Yeah, but I'm not married to the church." No, you're married to Christ who's whose structure is the local assembly. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just enter and exit that relationship any way you want. And, and, and it's not good for the rest of the sheep. So, so we've got, we've got this, this, this confessional statement. Mm-hmm. I read verse, or paragraph 12 of chapter 26, but I think we had cut out before that. Jeff was finding it interesting, but then we got distracted. <laughs> it says, as all believers are bound to join themselves to particular churches, when and where they have opportunity, so to do. So all that are admitted into, unto the privileges of a church are also under the censures and government thereof, according to the rule of Christ. First mm. Thessalonians 5, 14, 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, 14 and 15, those are proof texts for that. We can get to those, but I'm just trying to paint this picture. So what it says is, every Christian is a member of a church, and they get the benefits of being a member, and they, they come under the censors and the government of that local assembly. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yep. Paragraph 13. No church members, upon any offense taken by them, having performed their duty required of them, towards the person they are offended at. What does that say so far? No church members who's offended, and then they go perform their duty toward the person they're offended at. So what's that telling us? If you sin against me, I go to you. Right? It's just Matthew 18. Yeah, it's a, it's a biblical framework. Okay. It is. 
ought to disturb any church order. In other words, I'm offended. I'm going to speak out. I'm going to cause division. I'm going to talk about leadership. I'm going to talk about the music. I'm going to talk about the prayer time. I'm going to commit. No, we don't do that. Or, or absent themselves from the assemblies of the church. Or administration of any ordinances. Don't take yourself away from church. Don't take yourself away from the Lord's Supper. Suck it up. Uh, upon the account of such offense and any of their fellow member, but to wait upon Christ for the further proceeding of the church. Mm. This is why if you go to churches where church discipline is not practiced, then you as a member can't count on the proceedings of the church. In other words, if there's no church discipline, there's no censures, then you as a member, what 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 are you to do? Yeah, that's so a, a local church that functions correctly will practice Matthew eighteen. Jeff sins against Josh all the time. Yeah, oh, like, like he, Josh like he shows Jeff. up, like he shows up, shows late up late. sometime in the show. Hypothetically, hypothetically, like, one yeah, might like say it, that would never happen ever. because anyone sinned against me too. That's Interesting. right. Interestingly, right? This is we're going to digress. Let's not use that, but let's pretend he had sinned against me in that manner. Okay. Who do I go to? His yeah. overseer. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Got it. Matthew account. Who right. do I go to next? If I go to him, who do I go to next? If I don't win him over, if, he, if he's unwilling to repent, you go to church. Or you, you grab you, a couple, you couple, couple of a couple other uh, members. Two or three. Yeah. Now look. Do you see why cross church discipline just broke down? Sure. Am I supposed to take you? I don't even know if you're a believer for sure. I, I don't know if you're a general. Am I taking yeah. Juan? Who am I to take? Just go through the church roster and pick some people? Yeah. So cross-church discipline is not a biblical concept. Matthew 18 presupposes a local assembly of identifiable members. Yeah. Okay. You go to him. You can't win him over. The two or three go. You can't win him over. You put him in front of the whole church. He's still not won over. He's still unrepentant. You put him out, and you treat him as a heathen and tax collector. And wherever two or three are gathered in my name, so I am there. Whatever you put together in that context, I got him in agreement with. That's actually where the, the, the Pentecostals and Charismatics like to use that verse way out of context and say we're two or more in agreement uh, and you bind things in heaven, you loose things on heaven, it'll be that way on the no. earth. That's, so that has nothing to do with, you know. Josh, thank you, Josh. It's, it's crazy talk. I concede it for what you. What I'm going to say is, Josh, <laughs> you and I are going to be in agreement that uh, we're going we're gonna to be in agreement that I'm going to get five new Cadillacs. Yeah, and now we're gonna bind. And if we if we both bind it and loose it in heaven, it'll be on earth. That's that's nonsense. It's Nonsense. nonsensical. And, and and by and, the way, really quick, really big sidebar, but I gotta say it because it came up right there in my mind. If you are binding Satan, mm-hmm. don't let him go. I don't want to have to bind him. Next Solid week. point. Yeah, I don't want to bind him next week. Legit. Why don't you just bind them all? Just hook, hook them up. I just don't agree. Yeah. Let's all get together and let's just we bind all of them. Jeff, do you agree? I agree. It's we done. Did it. Okay, so no more spiritual warfare. Uh, well, no, that's not true. That's not true. 
So, so uh, the, the the purpose of the text is what we're, we're we're being satirical for those who are listening, just to make sure you understand what we're saying in our satire is that we are saying that this passage that says that we're two more gathered in my name, whether they bind, whether they loose, it'll be loose in heaven. In context to the verses surrounding it, has to do with church discipline and church leadership. Mm. Talking about when two come together in agreement, that they have authority. It, it, we can probably pull out of even Ephesians five, where it talks about submitting to one another. That there is this this collective agreement that no one individual has superior authority but that it's that it's a network of of men of That's God right. that rule and so because forth. Because Jeff if, if, if you go to Jeff and say Jeff you sinned against me and he says brother I don't think I'm in sin two or three go they listen they say Josh Josh crazy. Not in sin. Yeah. Right? It's protection both. But then but then the two or three agree now we go to the church. Mm. And now who, so then the elders actually will do the excommunication, if you will, officially. They'll send the letter. But who came to that decision? Not the leaders of the church, the processes that God's given us for the church. Yeah. So, and, and then I think the idea is just the checks and balances, almost like the House and the Congress and the Senate and those kinds of things uh, in our governmental systems is that one person might be misperceiving scripture. One person might be uh, misconstruing emotions and being offended. Uh, but, but the idea would be in a collective plurality of elders and within the corporate church context that there is a, a, uh, a, a sincere belief that together um, there will be a collective unity, a collective knowledge. It's actually where we get most of the Apostle Creed, the Apostles' Creeds and things like that. It's when, it's when the church came together and they go, this is some whack doctrine. We got to make sure that we crush this. And the church as a whole came into agreement and then said, right. you know, Sibelius, you're nuts. You know, you're apostate. You're out of and here. That's why, and that's why creeds were written. And that's why confessional statements were written. The confessional statements were written right after the Reformation. And many of them point right to the Roman Catholic cult. So it is, it is directly, but it is, it is timeless in its, in its true. In its applications. Sure. And it's truths and its applications. So, brothers, I want you to think about, you know, I want the, the people listening, and, and, and we are not, I, I am not a perfect man, I'm not a perfect pastor, I'm not a perfect father, we're not a perfect church, we have error. Of course we do. And when we see that, we reform. Semper reformata, right? Yeah. We're, we're always reforming. But but I want you to, you, if, if, if you have a local assembly, that does not live out Matthew 18, has not ever lived out Matthew 18 or 1 Corinthians 5, are they being the church? Now, I'm not trying to stir up bad hearts towards your leadership. Yeah, I'm trying to, hopefully there's some pastor elders listening to this. Hopefully there's some people that then would try and, and, and reform the local assembly they're part of to the scriptures, to the scriptures. You know, what? go to 1 Timothy 5. We're gonna we're gonna have to wrap up here pretty soon. Uh, I'm looking at the collective go video count. Sounds good. I'm gonna go quick. First Timothy five because I want to make sure we see. I, I, I alluded to this earlier, but I want to make sure that we see that there is a there is a way to deal with sinning elders. First uh, Timothy five nineteen. Do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. Mm. So. Jeff doesn't get to go up and, you know, tell the church, hey, Pastor Jones is in sin and he's, he's, but two or three. 
You don't have two or three that leave the church and start kibitzing. While you're there, two or three witnesses bring a charge against leadership. A leader or leaders, okay? That's what you do. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that the rest may stand in fear. You, you rebuke those elders in the presence of all that the rest of the people see, hey, no one's above God's structure, mm -hmm. God's governance. I, Josh, real quick, you wanted to mention something, I think. When, when you asked me to be on this show, mm -hmm. what did I tell you? Oh, the very yeah, I'm so glad that you brought this up. The very first thing I asked was, hey, man, would you like to come on the show? We're talking about this. I've seen some of your stuff on YouTube. And his response was, and I quote, uh, I'd like to come on the show. I think it would be a great, fun experience. It would be beneficial to everyone. But I actually have to ask my church elders before I come on the show. You, you, you went and submitted the opportunity to your church leadership, and they so said yes. I am, an elder I is not above the processes of the local church. Yeah. The Tyler Bolcom and Nick Rowland are my elders. Yeah, I interact with them as my elders. So out of now, out of curiosity, now, how, many people are going to go. What kind of guy has to ask permission to be on a radio show? And that's what I wanted to ask: is like, and where does it and, stop? And the thinking, well, no, and the thinking of why would that be important? I'm in. There's a reason why, but go ahead and share. Why is that important for right. something specific like this? Why? Right. So why is that important, Jeff? If I don't have that in my life, then I'm going to go do whatever I want. And, and, and if I go out in error, I do something wrong, I, I sin, I cause, I, I disparage the name of Christ, I've done that on my own. And with, with, with many counselors, we have wisdom. And so I want to submit and obey. I want to come under those that are overseeing to make sure that, I'm not just wanting to go on radio programs to promote myself. I'm not wanting to, you know, build a build a brand or whatever people do these days. Sure. Okay. It needs to be useful. And this the elders believe this is a useful um, useful use of my time. Right. The proper use of my time. If they they watch this program and say, you know, pastor, you were a mess and it was no good and that's not anything you're going to do anymore, I may talk to them and say, we'll have more discussion. It's not just like pound a gavel. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if they decide this is something I won't do, it's, I won't do it. We need to. I know, we definitely, you know I, we definitely need to do a part two to this. I uh, because I think there's so many questions that emerge from this idea, um, and, and I need to process it myself yeah, because I've, because of its, um, it's you. I don't want to say it's uniqueness. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that I, I'm seeing anything that is screamingly unbiblical thus far. Um, I'm. I am greatly pleased that many of my. Uh, life-altering decisions have always gone through uh, my church pastors. Even the show was something I submitted to my leadership. It's, it takes place in my church, fortunately enough. Um, but, but, but how far does it go? I mean, you know, I've got an extra twenty dollars on me. Um, you know, I wanted to buy a, a pair of blue shoes. Of, of, of course not. Sure. Let me use let me use an example real quick. <laughs> All right? Does it matter if you buy a red truck or a blue truck? Mm, it does not matter. It doesn't. Unless it's a Ford. Unless it matters. Unless, you're in, unless you're in a, a, a street gang. Maybe. Yeah, maybe a street but, gang would care. I'm telling you, not, unless... Not in the kingdom. I, I'm going to say it's a .0001% chance. Sure. But let's say you've got a problem with, first of all, buying trucks. 
the elders of a local assembly aren't going to decide how you spend your 20 bucks. Okay. Unless, unless again, I'm, I'm using a hypothetical, you happen to ha- be a man that doesn't give to the Lord because you're always broke, or you're a man that's receiving help from the church to pay electric bills. Then when you spend that 20 bucks on a pack of smokes, sure. now it's probably something to be talked about in that particular issue. I'm not even saying then you can't spend the 20 bucks, but I am saying... If that's a sin issue for you, your elders are obligated by Scripture to watch out for your soul because mm. they're going to give an account if you're out there buying smokes yeah. with money while you're receiving help from the church. Yeah, and I think the other the other assumption in in this whole process is that we're truly yielded and we're open books to one another. Yeah, because we're we're getting into the, these details of our lives. Well, the reason why we're not seeing that is because many of us don't really know these things about each other. We don't know our our weaknesses, and we're afraid to share. Yeah. What does does James 5.16 tell us? James chapter 5, verse 16. It tells us to confess our sins to one another. another. Yeah. Out loud, not homologeho, exomologeho, out loud, confess our sins to one another. Why? So that we can pray for one another. Right. How am I going to know how to pray for you if I don't even know what your life's about? Yep. Exactly. So, okay. and, and look, when I say have an accountability partner in the in, in the church world these days, oh, hallelujah, have an accountability partner. Sit down with that accountability partner. When I say meet with a pastor once a week, oh, 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 back off. That's a lot of lording over me. Oh, yeah. It's nonsense. Yeah, because the, the accountability partner is someone you kind of pick out and that you feel comfortable with. Hey, can, I'm not speaking against accountability. No, but I'm yeah. saying what I, what I'm saying is, but with the pastor, you're submitted. It makes you the elder when it, you pick your leadership. Yeah, it makes. Correct. There you go. You're yeah. in control. Yeah, there you go. And, and and the goal with church leadership, the, the the goal in church eldership is that they're they are biblically qualified, and the church as a whole has determined that they're biblically qualified. And and Perfect. and it sounds like again with the Bible, those who desire to be an elder desire a good thing. And and as I can see in the Scripture, the word elder is not even intended to be positional. It's not meant to be like uh, uh, the way that we we talk about cardinals or bishops or even the word pastor or we the Mormons do. They, everyone's an elder. The word the word <laughs> elder just means mature. And it sounds like those who are spiritually mature are given the right hand of fellowship in, in the sense of governance on some level. Sure, true. Just understand there's a number of different words used for the topic we're talking about. For instance, uh, the gift to the church that poimen are pastors. They say pastors and teachers in most translations. Yep. That's poimen. It means shepherds. It's only used so, one time in Ephesians chapter 4. Correct, but it means shepherds, right? Yep. So, and by the way, don't use that passage for the fivefold ministry. That doesn't work. Uh, but... That's anyway. a different show, man. We'll go for it. It's a different show. I'm just Josh saying, said we couldn't bring hey, it up. If 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 you if you want to okay. say if you want to use shepherds in that one text and ignore all the other ones, that's no, fine. I sure. don't. My point is the words that get used. That's why I was yeah. just saying. Yeah, elder does mean someone more mature. I would say that bishop, pastor, episcopos, elder, episcopos, they're interchangeable. You know what episcopos is. Look, we never got right. to the importance, and we need seven more shows. We never got to the importance of membership as it relates to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25. Yeah. There's a reason why it's important that we're part of a local assembly, that we are, that we are committed to, that we are, that we are uh, 
doing life with, for lack of a better way, that we are being sanctified. Sanctification in the New Testament is always a team sport. It is not an individual sport. It is a team sport. And we've we've got to wrap up. It. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're cutting into some That's time good. here, and I've got to keep these shows under an hour, and we've definitely gone over. So, guys, I just I want to thank you. Mike, I'm definitely going to have you back on. I appreciate your your uh, your spirit, the way that you present the scriptures, you present the gospel. I think this episode is actually going to create a lot of questions. So if you're watching this video on Facebook, YouTube, if you're, if you're watching on Spotify, iTunes, or any of our other uh, uh, formats there, I would really encourage uh, you to leave us some comments, leave us some questions on those platforms because we want to continue this conversation. I've got a lot of process because uh, because of the culture I've come out of, I've got to really kind of uh, study this out, really discern this, uh, spend yeah. some time meditating on this so that when we come back, I have some really well thought through questions for you, Pastor Mike. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. It was an honor to have you this week. I want to thank Kairos Classrooms for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio. And if you're out there, you've ever wondered, hey, I wonder if learning a biblical language would be a supplemental tool for me to help me in my biblical studies. Well, you need to check out Kairos Classrooms. They offer Greek and Hebrew classes that can help teach you and train you. It's a live classroom environment with actual students and actual live teachers, and they help teach you the biblical languages of Greek and Hebrew. You need to check out Kairos Classrooms today. There's a link in the description, and you can use the promo code REMNANT to get 10% off these classes are already crazy affordable, but with the promo code REMNANT, R-E-M-N-A-N-T, you'll get 10% off of Kairos Classroom. So check that out today. And thank you so much for Kairos for sponsoring this episode of Remnant Radio.